Hi everybody, today I'm joined by Milo, who you may know as the lead singer from Descendants, and I believe also dabbles in a bit of science in his uh, extra co-curricular activities. I just wanted to thank you so much for joining and coming on the podcast today. Great to be here. I mean, uh, over Zoom. I'm going to ask you a strange question to start off with. Have you heard of the Australian drink called Milo? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Because we have, over here we have something Ovaltine is similar. It's it got is kind similar. Of a, yeah, and I grew up drinking a lot of Ovaltine. <laughs> For some <laughs> reason, my, my mom uh, always kept us in supply of Ovaltine. So when I first tried Milo, I was like, "Wow, this this tastes like this tastes like Ovaltine." I've had some people from Australia send it to me, and, oh, and I've, always, always, yeah. I've always enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that my first is laughing. My brother has gone through a Milo phase and uh, yeah. yeah, he just puts a whole, well, I'm trying to be incredibly healthy. He's gone the opposite end of the spectrum at the moment. So what's been happening in your world? Catch us up to speed a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, we've, we've been uh, doing recording as a band because we can't play live, obviously, or we have, you know, up, up until now, I have not been able to. I yeah. think we'll be able to do shows probably in the fall. Uh, yeah, in fact, we're we're negotiating for shows in the fall. But yeah, it's been mostly recording, and that's been what I've done to just kind of not go completely, you know, stir crazy. Uh, yeah. You know, going from going from uh, playing lots of shows to then all of a sudden, you know, boom. And then, uh, and I guess the, I mean most bands, that's probably what they're doing. They're they're saying, hey, well, we can't play live, so we're gonna, you know, record music, and hopefully, hopefully means that we've got a lot more like. There's a lot more recorded music out there that people can listen to because everyone's doing it probably. I thought today maybe we could mix it up a little bit. Obviously, it's kind of about mental health and well-being. And you have a great song called I Like Food. I thought that was a good <laughs> entrance into, <laughs> into talking about something I haven't really addressed before is sort of, I mean, we've talked about sort of alcoholism and, and drinking that, and that sort of thing on tour. But I kind of wanted to talk about nutrition and like what you put in your body and eating on the road is really hard when you're traveling and I struggle like I'm a very routine driven person so is something kind of emotionally or something kind of my day can kind of sort of go slippery so I have to kind of do meal plans and things but I thought it would be interesting to talk about how you kind of manage that yeah well uh I I I'm pretty much at this point an, an omnivore uh but I had been a, I had been a vegetarian my daughter my daughter's vegetarian and she had, uh, she had gotten us to be vegetarians for a little bit. And I, I appreciated it quite a bit, but, but, but also found myself craving, craving meat as well. So right now I, but I think what, when right now we're basically as a family, we probably eat like meat once a week and we're just, we're mostly vegetarian. And I, and I, I, in general, I try, I try to, you know, kind of focus on heavily on the greens and stuff. And, and uh, I don't really take any supplements, but I hope that I can get enough, you know, kind yeah. of vitamins just from eating greens and stuff. And on the road, on the road, I try to eat healthy. Uh, but a lot of times too, you get to a new town and you, and you, and you kind of go, you kind of go, Oh, well, this town's known for. Yeah. Those ribs. <laughs> yeah, ribs yeah. You know, yeah. And then you you got to you got to try the whatever the local f favorite is no matter how good or bad it is for you. But uh if if there's nothing like that if it, if if there's no kind of like oh I've got to eat this cuz when we're here uh, the default is always going to be you know like like a really big salad or just something you know in that vein and and uh 
And the other thing we do as a band, or at least what I do is I try not to eat about four to six hours before I play. So I'm, okay. I usually have, I, what I usually have is like a, a late lunch and then I'm done and I've got, and I want to go on stage with a completely empty uh, stomach. And, and then after the, after the, sh after the show's over, then of course I'll just be backstage powering. The, <laughs> Consuming. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the routine that I, that I do, uh, you know, when we, when we tour. Um, so yeah, I am cognizant of, of what I eat, but I could probably do a lot better. <laughs> oh, I think everybody can. And we were sort of just having a little chit chat before that it's, you know, during COVID, I guess everyone's behaviors have kind of slipped or some people have kind of had that chance to reassess like where they are at with yeah. food. And when that's kind of the only thing that's kind of floating around in your existence, it kind of. Definitely... The, other, the other irony with with this band is that, as you mentioned, we did write at least one song <laughs> about food and you, and you, you list off the foods in that song you kind of yeah go, wow. like the greasy all the how, greasy stuff yeah how am i still alive if we're doing that but of course you know you can look back on i can look back on my on my youthful years and, and realize that you know that we you, you can get away with it when you're that young but as you get older you know in fact so we wrote the song i like food it talks about you know juicy burgers greasy fries and then on our last record i wrote a song that reflect that's kind of like the update of that called no more fat and it's, yeah. it's about it's I gone full circle yeah now i can't do any of that stuff my doctors told me you're, you're gonna die so you need to kind of yeah so we, yeah. we we've uh we've definitely uh you know kind of tried to uh stick st uh, stay with the times in terms of our age in terms of trying to stay healthy in fact i think i think bill is actually vegetarian uh and he his favorite meal is just like a bunch of vegetables on a plate you know either yeah. steamed or grilled vegetables and you just mouths down like a bunch of vegetables and that's you know. so good since you said that you like chow down on a lot of greens do you have a favorite green and a least favorite green we just had asparagus tonight which is one of my favorites although in the bathroom afterwards it can be a little it's a little bit funky monkey in other you know, other, yeah. other realms <laughs> yeah, but i kind of i kind of go you know what i'm i can deal with that smell because I do like uh, asparagus quite a bit, but I, we, our go-to is pretty much always broccoli. Yeah. It's on a broccoli, so. Yeah, I'm trying to get into sprouts. It's coming into winter here, so I'm like, oh, like roasted veggies and things I'm trying to get. And greens, I've been going through a process of trying to remove heavy metals from my body as much as possible, like with chemicals and things. So like a lot of herbs, um, so like coriander or cilantro, I think you guys call it over there. So I'm trying to add like more of them and dill and things to like my, to my salads and things. So that gets, that gets rid of heavy metals or somehow yeah. chelated or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of All them. Right. Yeah. And then in combination with other things, they can, I mean, I'm not a doctor, everyone who's listening, just um, that's what my naturopath has said, that it can help that sort of binds onto things and pulls it through. Okay. Yeah. And I was going to ask, have you read any good books during this time? Yeah, I read probably my favorite book of the past year was uh, called Overstory by Richard Powers. And it's about trees, actually. Yeah. Uh, and it's about how uh, trees communicate with each other. Oh, my God goodness this is so cool yeah I um I just was about to I might have to edit this bit out but I'm quite spiritual and I meditate a lot and I've been getting a lot of messages about trees being like a portal of communication because they have such an in-depth like um, root system and like their branches yeah, and yeah no I think I, yeah. that's basically what this book is about is is how they well it's it's novel so it really what it does is follow a, a, a follow a variety of different people who 
who kind of who kind of come to their understanding or awareness about tree communication in individually mm. and and then they kind of all converge and, and you know help to to yeah. save save the trees or whatever so it's got a hippie quality to it but but i i liked it i liked it because i mean as you mentioned i was a scientist mm. uh, and i and i worked on plant biology so i i felt like the tree connection for me was very uh was yeah. right up my alley. I love that because I think when I went to um, Jackson Hole in Wyoming, there were so many beautiful trees. And I love, I guess I love the Northern Hemisphere because it's a lot greener than Australia. Like just in general, I really enjoy that. And they were explaining that there were all these clumps of trees, but the actual original root seedling would like be, you know, a couple of, or hundred, hundreds of metres away, but they were still part of the same family and root system. I'm yeah. like, that's just blew my mind. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's amazing. And they, you know, they, so they communicate through the roots, but even great, even kind of cooler is that they communicate through the air, through uh, volatiles. So they, okay. they, they, they emit volatile chemicals and actually they can, that those volatile chemicals are then, you know, dispersed through the air and they actually can communicate with each other, with, with each other that way. So that's it's amazing. amazing. I love all that stuff. I think nature's so incredible. Like, and I'm so glad in some ways for the time I've had to spend a lot more time in nature as opposed to the fluorescent lighting and the, you know, yeah. office environments that we've been in. Oh, yeah. But, and uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And you have mentioned obviously your science background and, and obviously we're just with the book there. And I guess you're someone I see as an artist that's always learning and continuously sort of curious and also in your music and your lyrics, obviously, they, there's a usually a particular tone and not that the academia kind of creeps into it and I giggled because once in an interview you said you're not going to put your quadratic you know equations in there but you do like to put some of your knowledge sort of embedded into yeah. the don't you yeah but I've had I've had the main question I get when people think about oh he's a genetics guy or whatever yeah is, when are you going to write a song about DNA and I and I kind of go ah you know I don't, I mean, I guess, I, I guess I still need to write that, that, that DNA song, uh, because that's probably what I could really kind of like convey to people is, is how cool, how cool DNA is. It's cool to me. And, but the problem is, is that if you write something that kind of overtly kind of science, it, I always, I always feel like I'm just kind of being a geek or something or a nerd. I think people which would is, love it, but we're yeah, all I guess, I guess, you know, maybe that's what people you know. expect. And know. like, let's be honest, some of your target audience, we're creeping up to that nerdy kind of yeah. <laughs> that age bracket. Yeah. I, so. I I like it. And I think through a lot of like musicians, you know, like from what the, some of the topics they've talked about, it's urged me to go on and research a little bit more or understand a little bit more about it. But I'm all for being curious and learning more. And I would love you to do like a whole science DNA. DNA is fascinating. I've been doing a lot of sound yeah. healing and looking at how our cells change with cymatics and things like into frequencies mm. and things. So it would yeah. be very exciting if you do it. Yeah. 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 DNA is, it's, it's, it's cool. It's like you said, it, it's DNA is, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's actually, it actually is sensitive to, to the external environment uh, via uh, what's called epigenetic effects. Yes. Where the, oh, can we talk about epigenetics in a bit? I'd love to talk <laughs> about that more. Yeah, so I mean, you know, the, the DNA can be modified by by certain chemical reactions, and those are usually based upon how it's sensing the environment, uh, and then and so yeah, it's it's interesting because that's that's maybe a, like a last twenty years kind of a thing. Prior to that, people thought DNA was just this you know 
structural, static, yeah. structural thing that, uh, you know, they thought the only way you could change DNA is by mutating the bases. But in fact, you can, you can keep the bases, the base uh, pairs all the same, but you can modify it in a different type of chemical way. And, yeah. that, and that, that changes the expression of the, of the gene, of the DNA. And, and that's something where now we know that the environment the environment plays a big role in that. So it's, it's, now yeah. I will have to say epigenetics is a word that I have sort of seen thrown around a little bit more, more recently. And it's even kind of um, branching out into sort of the naturopath spiritual realms as well. Can, can you explain in your terms what epigenetics is? Because I feel like there's a lot of variant <laughs> explanations. Yeah. There. Well, as it, so you have a, the, a DNA sequence and, and it, it, it that DNA sequence can you can encode for for a, a, a gene product that's going to do something to your body in your body. It's we all we all have genes that that control and and take care of all the our bodily functions basically. Um, and normally we think about well maybe we need to modulate and change the levels of the, the gene products so that they're higher or so they're lower. Uh, you know maybe you want a lot of one particular gene product. To be expressed, and you, uh, but then you want very little of this other gene product to be expressed. And normally, we think about that, and and as as a something that uh, is is controlled by the environment can be controlled by the environment. And one way one way the environment can control the levels of these different gene products is by making chemical modifications to the actual DNA. And a lot of times, you can add like a, a carbon, or you'll add. Uh, you know, phosphate or different different types of chemicals get added to the DNA or covalently linked to the, to the DNA, and that changes the expression of the of a gene. And 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 so it's it's a way it's a way of modulating expression of genes that uh, that's that turns out is very kind of like uh, honed to the environment. Um, and so that's it's it's kind of yeah it's it's kind of a newer development that that people yeah. are. It's very in, in all about the environment, isn't it, that we're surrounded in as well and how that impacts as well. And then yeah. I, I've been reading a lot about neuroplasticity. I, I've struggled with a lot of neurological um, conditions in my, my existence. And mm. so would DNA, is it kind of like, you know how like neuroplasticity, like things can change and the brain can kind of rewire. And Do you think DNA can kind of morph a little bit like that in a sense? like not? Yeah, I, I would imagine that. I would imagine that that in order to have in order to have neuroplasticity, you, you have to be able to uh, you have to be able to change gene expression. And so, in order to change gene expression, uh, I think yeah, epigenetics is going to be it's going to be at least one one way that you would do that. I mean, and the thing about epigenetics too is that uh, it's kind of like it's a way of changing gene expression that can be more long lasting. And so you imagine a neuron, a neuron, for example, might have a particular epigenetic effect in one of its genes that it, that persists through the entire life of that neuron. Mm. Um, but, 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 but even though it's persistent, it can also be changed. It can be, it can be altered by a, by an epigenetic, uh, an epigenetic yeah. change. So it's a way it's, it's kind of like epigenetics allows you to make long-term changes of gene expression but also allows you to change, to flip them, to switch them into a different type of uh, yeah. long chain. And that's how, you, that's how you get into the neuroplasticity where yeah. the plasticity arises when you change gene expression. 
exactly <laughs> it's i'd love to see or read more on that topic and because i wonder how that would then um tie into mental health and you're like when people talk about chemical imbalances and your environment and things it would yep. be interesting to see how the role of epigenetics and the neuroplasticity together can you know yeah would perhaps i mean i don't know enough about it but i'd definitely be curious i'm sure people would be working on that type of yeah area. You could google google neuroplasticity and epigenetics and i'm sure See what comes up that'd be my afternoon activity yeah <laughs> yeah. The yeah yeah well while we're sort of nerding out about science are there any particular uh tv shows or anything that in the science realm that you really enjoyed like when you were growing up watching oh gross see what I guess I watched, well, I watched Doctor Who. That's not really, it's more sci-fi. It's not really science. Yeah. I guess yeah. I didn't really, I didn't, you know, my, my TV watching, I, I, I guess I tend to turn my brain off more when I'm watching TV and I'm with my, when I was, and I'm with my family, my wife, and it's kind of like, we don't want it to be too heavy. We yeah. want it to be nice, light and fluffy. So I, pro I probably haven't really done too much uh, you know, science TV watching. So yeah. Much, yeah. I, I just, I like talking to uh, people who are kind of, you know, sort of their hybrid interests. So you've got the academia background. I would love to have, you know, for film and TV, to have the round tables of like the directors. I'd love to have like a round table of musicians with their academia backgrounds. It would be amazing. Right. right? And yeah, yeah. Yeah. It would be good. And because you often reference Greg um, from Bad Religion a lot as well, because he has quite an academic background as well. So have you... Yeah converse with him a lot like when two academic kind of musicians come together that's an interesting melting pot I would imagine of of personalities yeah, yeah. I mean I it's funny because we we we, out, we were in the same town LA and our bands kind of came up at the same time mm. and I didn't I really didn't meet him till about I'm gonna say 10 years ago uh kind of later later oh, really? on really okay yeah and, and we were playing a show together I probably I think maybe We'd played maybe one or two shows before that point, just but like back in the eighties even, and so. Uh, but I wanted to meet him for real, uh, you know, ten years ago, and so I finally we actually had to little you know sit down, and we could you know shoot the bowl about science and whatnot, and you know kind of, I think we we both realized that we we kind of have a similar take on on science and just the the, the where music fits into all that and, yeah. and how. You know, I mean, his view, his his kind of view on music and science is has a similarity of being that he's he's looking to question the question the powers that be, question question the the kind of accepted norms, and may, and he does that through music, but he also does that through science, and he that's his kind of that's his kind of a yeah. fusion of those two things. For me, it was more like music and science was was a way to be creative. Like I I, I use I use science to be creative the same way I use music to be created because i feel like with science especially if you're working with genetics and stuff there's a there is a creative side to it that you need to kind of um that you need to kind of uh kind of plan out experiments to get a desired result and that kind of thing and so this, I, I always felt like there was a creative side but so he and i kind of conversed about those kind of things and you know i i had a good time talking to him i mean he his his area is not quite the same as mine we're uh, he does more evolution and i do mm. more Genetics. and there is some overlap there obviously yeah. but but we don't but yeah but uh, it was good to talk to him anyway, yeah. yeah i just have a vision of you being like a little mad scientist like in your studio yeah. like if you're doing like like a muppet like between the hybrid of yeah no it was good i wish yeah. i wish we could have more time to talk about it you know yeah. i think the other, guy, the other guy is dexter holland who 
from offering, yeah. yeah. I, he, he and I could probably actually geek, geek out a little bit more about just molecular biology because really? that's his gig. His gig was molecular biology, which is kind of kind of what mine is too. And so, you know, we, we, we probably so could what, have been... I, I mean, I mean, I listened to Osprey when I was in high school, but I didn't know that he had gone into such an academic background. So did he yeah. do anything? Did that sort of... Yeah, I think what happened to him is that he was he was in he was in grad school when the offspring kind of hit it huge, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and I think so. Then he was like, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna set aside I'm gonna set aside my studies because I got to go be an offspring guy." And then it was only in the past maybe five or ten years where he went back to school to finish up his PhD. And so I think he got he got he ended up getting his PhD maybe only five or ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, in molecular biology, um, you know, so thumbs up that he that he stuck it out, that he went back to it because, you know, that yeah. takes a lot of courage to kind of go back and try to pick up those loose ends and, and you know, keep keep going. And, so. and do it. I, I really liked before that you talked about the creative aspect of science because that was something that kind of killed it for me at school. Uh, I ended up having to do a science because I got kicked out of maths because I was so bad at maths because I kept asking why and how and just like just, oh, yeah. do, just do the goddamn equations generally yeah, 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 yeah. the algebra but I was like well why will I need a hypotenuse when will I ever need to work out a and I don't think I ever have to this day but um, yeah. I'm a very English kind of creative languages is kind of mine history I love all that stuff but I do really like science but I kind of wish that it was approached from a more creative perspective because yes there's the very logical linear part yeah. of it but like you said you know well how do any great breakthroughs happen without that creative outside of the box yeah. thinking and and that, I really wish that was encouraged more in schools would you ever would you ever think about teaching or doing anything in that in those realms uh I yeah well I mean I guess during COVID it did cross my mind like hey I can't yeah. I, you know I can't really play shows and I I had actually left my science job in 2016 I was working at DuPont and they had a huge contraction of their, and, and, and they laid off a whole bunch of people. So I, they, I got laid off at the time. I was like, Oh, this is great because I, the band was, you know, we were going great guns and I was just going to, you know, not worry about it and just kind of, and just kind of do, do music. But then during COVID I thought, Oh man, maybe I should go, you know, teach or do just do something that kind of, you know, we talk about, you know, we talk about how people are coping with, you know the pandemic and I, I think a lot of people part of the coping is just try to figure out how to to keep themselves busy or just how to just how to not be idle you know no one wants to just sit around and do nothing you know and yeah. I, that's kind of that's kind of where I was coming from I thought maybe you know I, I, I should do something like that so yeah I've th I thought about it yeah um, but now the pandemic's, pandemic's almost over hopefully <laughs> we can I Back into playing. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more. I get frustrated. I keep seeing everyone in the US posting about festivals. I'm like, oh, no one can come yeah. into Australia. No one can leave Australia yet. Right. Little, little island down under that, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. I think things are going to open up. Yeah. Sure. I'm not too stressed out about it. I've, yeah. I was like thinking the other day, I've got like a list of bands. It's like, I'm pretty lucky. I've seen a lot of bands that I've, I've really wanted to see. But I'm not sure whether we can kind of navigate this topic at all. But I'd love to kind of dive into science in its role in kind of mental health in a way, because a lot of people approach, I think the crux of that question, I suppose, is people like to understand what's going on with them. And obviously the brain is something very hard to understand. It's incredibly unique. And as we just talked about, neuroplasticity and all sorts of things can impact it. 
are there any um, points you'd like to talk about in terms of science and or anything to do with medications or anything? Because I feel like if people understand the science behind it, they can kind of, I mean, that's why I brought up food and nutrition, because I really think it's important what you're putting into your brain and making sure you've got glucose and you're hydrated and, and those types of things. But Well, you, I guess, you know, my, my area of science is uh, plant, plant biology. And so I do, I do have, I, I do have concerns about feeding, feeding the world, but not only feeding the world, but feeding the world kind of nutrition, yeah. nutritious plants. Um, and so, you know, I think that's, that's, for me, that's part, that's where my kind of science hat in my, like, in my kind of like health hat kind of coincide is, is through trying to kind of uh, make sure people eat, eat healthily and, and, and that we can, that, that, the, that we can provide as, you know, as like the farmers can provide healthy foods. Um, you know, and I think like what, what I was doing in, in, in for part of my career was trying to make sure that plants are trying to do, uh, help plants uh, assimilate nitrogen better. Oh. Um, and, and then that brings in a whole nother area of, of ecology and environment, because when plants don't, when plants aren't, uh, aren't optimized for assimilating nitrogen, then that's when the farmer has to dump a bunch of nitrogen on, on, the, on, on the soil. And so, you know, in order, because basically nitrogen, higher nitrogen makes for higher yields. Uh, and so it, so the farmers are now put too much nitrogen on the, in the soil and then it leaches off into the groundwater. And then all of a sudden you've got nitrogen pollution, which uh, it causes all the, it causes all the algal blooms. In, no one in, talks about, um, yeah. no one talks about that. There was an algal bloom breakout in one of our big shopping malls, not far from here. And no one, everyone was like, what, what is that? And it wasn't until I researched about nitrogen pollution and what that actually Maybe. Yeah. 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 So I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons why plants should be assimilating nitrogen better. One, of course, is the environmental impact of it, and the other one would be to 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 kind of uh, to kind of improve yields. But then also just having plants that that growing plants that have a lot more kind of minerals and a lot more of the of the amino acids mm. that that we all need to to grow. So these are all these are all these kind of inputs. Into into plants that I that I that I would think about and that in some cases you know did research on uh, yeah. to try to try to help out try to help out uh, you know, world world agriculture. So it, yeah, I think that's probably my kind of my kind of uh, synergy or my kind of uh, connection with. Uh, with health and, and science together. Yeah. yeah. So I get so worried about pesticides and things and chemicals that are going onto my things now, but then it's so expensive to buy organic and you're just trying to live and just try to eat. Right. So yeah. it is important that things like that are happening. Yeah. 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 That is, a, it is a drag that, that like the, the healthiest, the, the healthiest produce is going to be the most expensive, but then that just means that poor people yeah, uh, exactly. Have, are always struggling to stay healthy, you know, so. Yeah, that's not how it should be. Yeah, so that work like that is is paramount. And we have a lot of problems here in Australia, obviously with like soil quality and all those types of things for our farmers yep. too and that type of thing. But what about something that, um, something I find a little bit confusing is like in terms of like plant medicine, which is another fun word that everyone likes to throw around these days, um, yep. you know, and kind of that can hybrid into shamanism and all types of other things. But there's been a lot of research here done on microdosing and, you know, various plants and things. I'm, I'm not very, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I'm very of the natural kind of path. I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that that you'd like to share. I mean, 
Well, I, I, the plant, plants are obviously been used for centuries for, for certain compounds. And, 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 you know, it's all kind of like, you know, uh, as you said, kind of uh, maybe the, uh, not the doc, the weren't, weren't doctors, but like the wise men in the village or the whatever. The healers, yeah. They would know, they would know, oh, you need to eat this for that, mm. or you need to eat this and it's going to help you feel that. And it's basically what, it, what, that's, what that's saying is it's saying that plants are, are just a very rich source of, of what they call secondary secondary uh, metabolites and sec secondary uh, products uh, that that are very poorly understood at this point. Mm. There ought to be more research about some of these secondary uh, metabolic products. You could do but, a podcast on it. You could write a book, yeah, Milo. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to be so, discussed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally needs to be discussed. And and uh, I think that's uh, that's an area where uh, you know I think we 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 tend to think well everything. In order for you to use a drug, it has to be synthesized in a lab. But, but there are a lot of things that plants are naturally making that have that people have you know found through I suppose trial and error to actually <laughs> yeah. have have uh, beneficial qualities. Uh, and I think yeah, I think that the like I said that the the uh, one thing that plants plants have actually evolved to 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 have a, a huge wide variety of secondary compounds because they have to kind of, they have to uh, survive in such a wide variety of environments. And you can imagine that uh, in, order to, in order to have that kind of versatility to be, to be able to survive anywhere, they have to kind of be emitting certain compounds to kind of help their defenses. So in fact, a lot of, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, compounds that people find are beneficial for us to ingest are actually these compounds that the plants are, are emitting as like defense defense compounds against predators of, of the, their predators. And it mm. just turns out that they also help us. I mean, that's yeah. at least one category of, of, of that type of thing, so. Yeah, and I've been looking a lot into, is it adaptogens and adaptogenetic kind of, um, so like ashwagandha and various other, like well, the, the fungi category, I guess I've been looking into a lot about, like you yep. said, like plants or things that, as the word suggests, literally adapt over time and then, because of that yeah. ability for them to last throughout the ages, then like you said, it has those, those beneficial properties for us as well. Yep. So I've Absolutely. been trying to research myself a little bit more about them and just trial and error and bring them into my diet sort of slowly. Yeah. Again. yeah. Just be careful. You don't, you don't poison yourself. <laughs> don't hallucinate. It's not like I'm out in the bush yeah. picking, yeah. <laughs> sitting there yeah. picking. But, um, yeah. you know, a lot there's of good fungi, there's good fungi. And then there's, there's, there's the, the bad the juju <laughs> that I don't want to do. <laughs> But it is, you know, and I've been, you know, obviously we have a, a big indigenous culture here. I mean, they are the people of Australia and there's just so much to learn about our plant. You know, every continent has very unique plant life and yeah. it's very interesting to learn from them. And I've actually been, some of my friends do some essence courses, like the flower essences. And like, I've, she's just made me one up for like grief and anxiety. And I'd much rather do that than take <laughs> a box of chemicals. Not that there's anything wrong with that, if that works for you and, that's everyone's choice but I think what I love about the science aspect in our earth is it's so abundant and so plentiful we do have access to everything really like yeah in terms of that in front of us yeah I mean I, I feel like the 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 western medicine has started I think they started to at least you know acknowledge that some of these eastern more eastern uh, kind of herbal things 
there's that there's that there's actual basis for yeah it's not just hocus pocus like yeah it, cool yeah it, there's some basis for them being efficacious you know on some level so yeah. yeah absolutely like lemon balm is is one that i've been taking and that's helped my anxiety like tremendously so um if anyone's listening I've, yeah you don't want to go the chemical route there's there's plenty of things to try yeah. so i i i for singing i used to take i used to drink slippery elm tea and that was something where it's like you know it coats your throat and that <laughs> better, was my, better so, than alcohol was, i guess like most people probably do yeah yeah i mean they, so this is probably back in the 90s i guess where i was drinking slippery elm uh but yeah it's it's something where i tried a variety of other kind of more western type things like chloroseptic or you know throat lozenges and just realized no Slippery Elm is the thing that's going to work for me. Oh, so, if anyone's yeah. listening who's a screamer, there you go. A little inside tip on how Slippery to create this. Slippery Elm, everybody heard it here. Ooh, Milo, yeah. secret insights. I like that a lot. It, it's a bark. It's yeah. A tree bark. Yeah, I do. I've, I love teas. I'm really getting to my teas and mushroom things at the moment. I'm just trying to explore. There's just a lot there that I am trying to slowly incorporate them into my... And I guess if, if you could bring an aspect of science into more of your music, which I know you probably want. I mean, you like we discussed before, would you bring any of the lyrics? Like, do you think that any of the lyrics would then reflect some of the things that we've been discussing? Or it's not like you're probably going to sing about yeah. Slippery Elm, maybe necessarily. Yeah, probably not Slippery Elm, but no, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think I, I could probably bring, like I said, I'll probably bring, like, bring in some stuff about, uh, you know, DNA. D DNA is pretty cool. But I, I, I think also just, uh, you know, genetic genetics is something is just something that's really, uh, to me is a, is a, is kind of like a, it's, it's a, uh, kind of permanent, it's a, there's a permanence to it. And I think I could bring that in as well. I, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't really, uh, I haven't really written too many songs that were purely science-based, but, uh, Something maybe something about genetics. I mean, yeah. Greg Graffin's Greg Graffin's really yeah. good at that. He, he brings yeah. in science, science all the time. So yeah, I was about yeah. to say like, and it's interesting how musicians approach. Um, this. Everyone's so different in their approach. So like, lyrics could be incredibly important, and obviously there might be an agenda, or you can tell obviously the ethos or where the band's going with that. Um, I still think that like you guys do that to a degree, but obviously Bad Religion's quite overt in their messaging. Yeah. What I would like to do is. And in a more generic, in a more general way, uh, bring in the notion that that we need to be science-based as a, as a, as a society. We need to be science-based and reality-based. And that's uh, you know, I, in the past few years, I've gotten gotten a little more uh, uh, kind of focused on our political system here in the states and, and just mm -hmm. how messed up it's gotten right now it's a disaster and i feel part of that is because people are not trusting science i mean obviously you have to, any anything you've got with science you've got to be able to uh you know evaluate it for yourself of course uh, yeah and, and not just kind of take someone's word for it but i feel like a lot of people just have this knee-jerk rejection of science and that's been a real problem in this in this country through COVID, for example, yeah. with the mask and the vaccine and all that stuff, but also with climate change and the list can go on and on. And yeah. I just feel 
It causes yeah. like a huge distrust, I guess, you know, against the topic of and the field of science, which has been so instrumental in so many ways, especially if you think about the medical field. Absolutely. And yeah. I, what I would like to see is, again, it's tapping into that creativity. Like, why are we not exploring and putting more funding into things that could be like, OK, there are so many things that could happen with climate change. There's um, some great things here that they're doing instead of like shark nets, there are shark sensors and things that don't impact the environment. And I just, you know, you don't hear about that. You don't because of mainstream media and blah, 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 blah. It would be a lot more important. I, I would like to see that in, in musicians' messaging too, especially in the yeah. genres that we're talking about, like in the punk, hardcore, metal scene, obviously. And that's kind of like the, the perfect outlet to do it, right? Like if you're angry and you're pissed off, then you've got a platform to kind of, or at least someone might hear the word, oh, and then it might inspire them to actually... You know, yeah. something about it. And a lot of musicians have on their page now too, like these are some organisations you might want to check out or here's some, you know, here's some factual information on yeah. on this. But, it, I mean, I can't speak to, to living in the States. It's It would be incredibly frustrating, I would imagine. But I think everywhere globally we still have, we've got a lot of problems here in Australia too, so. Yeah, I just, yeah, it's like I don't, the whole hesitancy about the vaccine, uh when and when in fact the science the science that went into developing the vaccine it was kind of it was kind of uh, kind of groundbreaking monumental and that and then but then people are all of a sudden like well you know i think i think people they want they want to be able to not they want to have like they want to do a cost risk analysis and have it yeah. and have it equal have it equal 100% uh, benefit risk, hundred percent benefit, zero risk. If it's anything other than that, well, we're not interested. And that's just not the way you can go. You can go through life with a hundred percent benefit and zero risk. Everything that we do has some benefit associated with some risk. And you yeah. just have to do that analysis to know. And that. do your research is what I say to everyone that like you're allowed to think whatever you want. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit hesitant and it's it's kind of slowly unfolding here, but I want to do my research and choose the right one and make sure no. that, you know, and I think, but again, I think that's lack of money and funding to explain things properly because of this distrust kind of, right. I don't know, um, it's like this, yeah, this dissertation on distrust going around in the science, yeah. science yeah. world. I mean, hopefully the people who are doing it, who are taking the wait and see approach are going to, and if they really are waiting and seeing the seeing part being the important part, wait and see. Mm -hmm. I think I think that that those people will come around because I think it's, it's because you because now I mean the, the, the more the more we go with this, the more we realize all oh, these are effective, and we just have to kind of uh, yeah. you know, keep going forward with it. I've had a lot of people because I don't I try like I said at the start I try not to put chemicals and things in my body, and I've been really I haven't had as a general rule I haven't had a vaccination i mean i think the last one was for cervical cancer because it was free when i was in my 20s and right. luckily yeah. i've had a good bill of health and i don't need to and a lot of people right. just like ramming their opinions down my throat and i was like no i just i just want to i just want to ask some questions i just want to know about it because it's you know yeah. it's not even rolled out properly here in australia yet so and i, and I keep saying to people it's not that i'm not going to get it i'm not an anti-vaxxer i just want to wait and like you said to wait and see a little bit until yeah. Yeah. Are, there, are they having Pfizer out there or Moderna or what are they going to have out there? So we've had a huge problem with AstraZeneca out here. Oh, really? but yeah. And so Moderna, I do, I do believe, is out and I do believe Pfizer, but 
it's only for a certain age category at the moment and so for okay. example my brother's nearly 50 but he can't get it till september for example so i'm like 39 so i probably won't be able to get it for some time i'm sure there are variant um exceptions and things happening but and of course the media's hyping up everything yeah. about you know blood clots yeah. people dying and it just causes that yeah. panic again it's like oh what do you want do you want us to get healthy or do you want us to live in a state of fear all the time like yeah. pick one yeah I, I, the media the media doesn't 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 help because uh people will read those articles and, and think oh no again it comes back to this like zero percent zero percent versus you know somehow zero percent versus point zero 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 one percent yeah that that's somehow taken as, as like well I'm not if it's point if it's point zero 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 one I'm not interested it's yeah. got to be zero. But <laughs> the funny thing about that is because I sort of was meditating on it because I was like okay what what are my hang-ups around like when it first happened I was having a few little resistant thoughts and I picked up my I take real packs for migraines and I picked that up and I was looking at the side effects I was like this probably has more side effects than what you're going to be taking you know yeah. like because that's yeah. an, basically an epileptic or, you know, and they call it an electran like kind of drug, which if you take it makes you hallucinate if you don't have a migraine. So I was like, I think I had to put, kind of put things in perspective about what. Yeah, if you put them in, yeah, it can definitely helps to put them in perspective just to realize that, that, uh, that, 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 the, that there's so many other things that we do and ingest and take that are, you know, even more they're more risky than this yeah and when you when we go back to the bare bones of it like we're all like cells basically and everyone yeah. is going to react differently because we don't have the same dna genetic makeup so yeah, yeah. so yeah yeah, I mean, yeah it's, a, it's a i think uh if you i mean i guess if, if if we if we had and i'm sure that they're they're working towards this but if, we had, if they had a way of knowing what the predisposition was yeah for for the complications but for the clotting that, per se like yeah. do you have a history of whatever yeah, yeah. so i think yeah. i'm sure there's people working on that because that way that way a it's going to help protect those people but b it's going to put everyone else's minds at ease to know that yeah. you don't fit in that category so you're, you're you're pretty safe doing it yeah exactly do you like new scientist magazine is that something that you've ever i've heard of it i haven't yeah. i haven't so yeah, i feel like no. that should be like it would be, I'd love life if that became mainstream media as opposed to like the newspapers that, you know, yeah. maybe one day. And what about, are you into space things apart from, I know we talked about plants, but do you like space? That, I don't think so. Not so much. Oh, I damn. Mean, I got so excited. It's like we could nerd out about space things, <laughs> like dark no, matter. And... <laughs> that probably won't be me, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't, you're, I don't... You're, you're a ground-based human. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my daughter at one point wanted to be an astro uh, astronomer, but were you like no biology? <laughs> Just... yeah, yeah. Well, I was perfectly fine, and you know, it's like if she wants to go, you know, work for NASA and go and go shoot off into the into Mars, that would be pretty yes, cool. Yes, please, that would be cool. What about plant life? You could like discover plant life on various. Yeah, know, yeah, I think cool. that. I mean, the, the, I think eventually, I think with Mars, they're they probably are going to find like carbon molecules up there probably I mean, stuff. yeah i mean they, they may find evidence that at one point there was some life up there or, or at least or at least carbon-based uh yeah. you know things but yeah i i i i'm waiting i just but something like that i'd rather just not speculate i'd rather just have them do have the them thing find, find the data find okay. the data 
and then you know we'll 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 interpret it we'll make yeah. the interpretations and just go from that but wait we've uh, got some proof happening yeah, yeah. I'm, you know i guess what that means is i'm not going to say i'm not going to say one way or the other like oh there's 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 life on mars or uh, but just let me let me see the data when it comes through so i yeah. guess i guess they've got the they've got that rover up there now or, or yeah, drone they do. Or, yeah, I'm a space dork. I just get it, I, any excuse I can to talk about space with people. I'll try and sneak it in there, but never mind. Well, yeah. perhaps maybe you could leave us with something. I mean, we haven't been very music focused, but everybody knows that part of you. And, and you know, mm. I mean, we will touch on that in a little bit. But what about, I mean, what's something you could perhaps say that plants or science has taught you? Because I, I, I'm trying to be more like a tree and I know that sounds silly but I kind of was watching one the other day in a massive storm and you know the leaves were going everywhere the branch was like chaotic but it was the trunk was super still and I was just like I need to be more like a tree just like no matter what's going on as a no. metaphor like in my life like whooshing around me like try to be more grounded I suppose yeah that is interesting because we think of trees that way like they're very still and there's an aspect of them that that's an aspect of them that you're picking up on that they're very they can be they can be these these kind of oases of calm in the midst of in the midst of uh, uh, a kind of chaos around mm. us. But uh, as we talked about earlier, uh, while they're being still, they they are in fact reacting to their environment. In fact, they 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 react to their environment more than more than animals do. They have to yeah because they. they because they can't, you know, if there's a, if there's a, a, like a adverse condition environment that they're in, they can't just get up and run away. They've, they're stuck there. They're, they're rooted. So they have to be able to, to have very hot, finely tuned uh, reactions and, and uh, responses to their environment. Yeah. And uh, in some cases, you know, uh, maybe they need to go, maybe they need to uh, change what they're doing uh, drastically in, in response to less light or in response to uh, 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 too much water, these kind of things. So, that, I mean, I guess, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I feel like, I, I feel like plants can be a metaphor for us as humans uh, in that way, because we, you know, we want to, we want to be able to be sturdy against, against all the, all the kind of things to run and rip us around. But at the same time, we also have to be adaptive. We have to we have to be able to to be able to be able to rebound uh, yeah. and yeah, and to be you know, flexible, I guess, with what flexible, yeah, yeah. And I feel like I feel like that that's kind of been one of the stories of my life because I've I've I have bounced around from you know music to science to science to music and and done a lot of this kind of stuff. But also just I think also during COVID, just being adaptable. And, and to being to being able to kind of just uh, to kind of go into a different mode, uh, depending on my depending on what my environment tells me is needed, or depending on what my environment gives me. And that during COVID, for example, I really wanted to play shows, couldn't play shows. And I but I we just kind of like we kind of rebounded off of that into just making music instead. And so I feel like, uh, you know, part of part of my existence for the past year and even prior to that has been kind of just trying to kind of work my way through the pinball of life of just kind of you, yeah. you, you hit a bumper and you, you hit a bumper and you glance off and you go somewhere else and that's how my life has gone 
really uh, uh, for a while just kind of uh, just kind of react, reacting to my environment and making and making a shift or attack. I even wrote a song called Tack where I talked about making that tack because you've got to tack, uh, tack and, and, and go a different direction depending on how the wind blows like that. So I guess I'm, I'm part tree and part sailboat maybe. I like that. <laughs> I like that analogy. There's a song there, part tree, part sailboat. Part tree, part sailboat. Yeah. 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 I, are there any trees that really particularly fascinate you? I mean, I want to come back to the communication. I just had a question pop into my head, but are there any trees that just absolutely are phenomenal in what they do that we might not know about as mere humans that don't study science? Dang, I, sh I should get my book. I should get my overstory. Go get it. I can edit my podcast. I can edit. Yeah. I don't know. It's overstory. Talked a lot about a lot a lot about different trees. I'm trying to think of. Uh, well, ginkgos are just cool because they're so damn old. Uh, ginkgos are one of the oldest trees out there, and there's lots of compounds that come out of ginkgo actually too. So like different. Like as in yeah. ginkgo, like as in the herb. My the yeah. yeah, yeah, I never know how yeah. to say that word. <laughs> they're just always, they're just cool looking trees too. I mean, they just looks, because they're so um, ancient as a species, they just they, they just look a little different than other than other trees. And so I always like ginkgos are, are yeah. pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the, the other, uh, chestnut trees are cool. Um, and they're, I guess they're, they get, obviously they get huge and they're, they, uh, and they, they were, Early on in the in America is a, a major kind of crop plant almost, um, and then they they got decimated by a, 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 ch a chestnut blight, um, and uh, that's that's something where so if you ever see a chestnut in, a, in North America, it's like this extremely rare thing. So that's another cool tree. So, but I'm really it's funny because I read that book, but yeah. I'm not really I'm not really a tree expert or anything like that. Yeah, you don't need to be. I mean, I don't know whether I'll keep this bit in there, but I, I wanted to ask, it might be a bit woo-woo and a bit out there, but what about, I mean, I sort of feel like trees have an emotional network in a sense, just from what we were kind of talking about, because they're so sort of active in a way. Yeah. What about when I have read something to this extent and I'm going to absolutely murder it, but what about how they feel like, you know, when people like humans talk to trees and hug trees and things, and then animals are kind of like, spending their life in the tree do you think the trees are like can they interact are they aware of that because of their intelligence or do you think not really well yeah i yeah i, I think feel weird that, asking that question but i, I kind of want to know like what other people yeah, think no, I, I think that i think that they they can they can detect they can detect animals nearby that's the simplest way to put it they can yeah. detect animals nearby i mean obviously you know if we if we are nearby, we're breathing oxygen, and they, yeah. and they can, <laughs> they can probably with they can interact with our with our with our breathing, on a certain level. But I mean, uh, yeah, I think uh, they 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 have to be able to uh, sense animals are nearby because those some of those animals could be predators for all they know. Yeah, that's um, so interesting. Yeah. yeah, the thing about it is, is I and I whenever I talk about trees, I have to avoid trying to become to uh, anth anthropomorphic. It's fine. You go wild. Yeah. I mean, it's, we don't, we know that trees don't have brains, but we, and we talk, we talk about them. We talk, we talk about them as being, uh, you know, as being that we're, that they, they can sense things and yeah. they, they, they sense things much differently than the way, you know, 
uh, animals would because yeah. they don't have a nervous system they don't have a brain but i do believe that they they can sense things through uh uh through chemicals that are there are volatile, volatile chemicals that, 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 that then come in, they come in contact with. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, if you, so if you hug a tree, if you're a tree hugger, you, you may be helping that tree out. You never know. Yeah. Well, I also kind of am curious too about when, you know, when they're obviously in a lot of spiritual context, trees are very important. I think maybe I've just watched too much Lord of the Rings and I'm expecting a tree to like become animated and become like yeah, my yeah. friend and like look yeah. after me and like save Middle Earth as a, a greater metaphor context. But yeah. you know, like when you go somewhere like the Great Redwood Forests, which, you know, in Northern California are beautiful, there definitely is a different energy though, like a different presence. Like I, I definitely feel like that's, and I don't know whether that is because of an accumulation of all this energy that they're kind of emitting or like from a scientific perspective. Yeah. I would recommend the book Overstory. It's, as I said, it's a novel, but there's just it, it really conveys the, the the majesty and the the this notion that the trees, you know, hear us. They don't yeah. really. Yeah. No, trees somehow sense but, us. Yeah. And and it's really a, a major theme of that book. Um, and, and so it's yeah. I, I, yeah, I'll put know. it down when when I pop the podcast up for people that are curious to listen to it but maybe we should finish up on some music because we haven't really spoke <laughs> very punk rock of us to be talking about trees obviously yeah. um we're just a bunch of hippies yeah, yeah totally go back to the 70s and be like um yeah. so what is happening on the music front with you guys i know you mentioned during covid you were kind of doing some bits and bobs but what else yeah. is kind of in the pipeline well yeah so uh we we had we had been writing to we had been writing a record uh, uh, when COVID hit, and in fact, I had probably written about twenty or fifteen songs. And our wow. guitar our guitar player had written like he he writes scads of songs. He's, so we did I, we did that. We tracked them, and then and then we that kind of when COVID hit, we thought, well, we have to wait for the other two members of the band, our drummer and our bass player, have to write songs too. And I thought. Well, why not? Why not just uh, do something kind of more old school and, and and go back to some old songs that that we recorded back in. The, there's songs that were written, songs that were written in 1978, 1979, so you know decades ago. And the Bill 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 the drummer had had recorded them with the original bass player and the original guitar player. That's Frank and Tony. And, and they recorded all, all these uh, old songs uh, back in 2002. So basically it was a way of saying, hey, let's try to document this very early phase of the band. Uh, and and, and, uh, and uh, we'll, so what I did is during COVID, I, I, uh, I went ahead and, and recorded vocals for those. Uh, so we've got, I think it's like 19, 18 or 19 songs that we're putting out and it's called Ninth and Walnut. Ninth and Walnut refers to the it's the it's the uh, garage where they where they used to practice in Long Beach, California. Uh, so so the Ninth and Walnut record comes out I think next month I believe, um, and it's basically as I said these these songs from like 1978 1979, um, where when I first joined the band I joined the band in 1980, and they were still playing when I joined they were still playing about half of these songs. And so uh, I was able to kind of listen back to them and, you know, get all these great feelings of, you know, nostalgia about when yeah. I first joined. 
opinion. And yeah, these these and then and then the other half of the songs were songs that they had actually already kicked out of the set by the time I joined. And so these were songs that were almost brand brand new to me. And so I got to record these songs that even predated my time in the band. And it was just a great experience because uh, uh, it just kind of it kind of helped us kind of really appreciate kind of where we come from. And and I think for the music listener, it's going to make a bridge between, say, uh, the first thing that the Descendants ever did, which is this single called Ride the Wild, Hectic World. And then you've got uh, the Fat EP and then you've got Milo Goes to College. And I think yeah. these songs, these songs on Ninth and Walnut kind of bridge the Ride the Wild to Milo Goes to College. It's like it fills in between there kind of the, this type of sound that it is. Oh, wow. So it's, it's been really great because, you know, none, none, of you, none of these songs sound like anything that we would write, write today. And yet they just sound, uh, they sound, uh, you know, as fresh as, as fresh as anything we've ever done. It's just that they, it's just that we could never write them now because we're, we're kind of older. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. So. Everyone's something to look forward to. So that's all right. I mean, I love, I haven't been getting excited about, you know, like, I guess it was when I was younger, you get excited. There'd be like the CD would come out. There'd be like a poster. There'd be like the lyric book. They'd be like, I just, it's just different these days. I don't get excited like I used to, but, and I'm still on the hunt to find new music. I kind of get stuck in my playlist of listening to the same, the same thing over and over again. So it's good. I like to hear that new music is coming. Yeah, I just, I just think, you know, we're, we're going to put out a new, a new, new record probably in, in like, you know, six, six months or a year or so. But we thought, let's put this out because uh, it's, it's something it's it gets, lets people see the, another side of us. It lets yeah. people see, it lets people see the kind of a, the bit of the history of the band and what we were like then, yeah. uh, you know, and, 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 you know, I think, as I said, it's, it, if, it, uh, if you ever listened to uh, uh, Milo goes to college and then listened to ride the wild, you think, how are these, how yeah, could this even just, be the same band? Yeah. It There's seems disjointed. Rad- yeah. Just different things, you know. Yeah, one's totally. Very, one's very kind of like hardcore and angry, and the other one's very '60s kind of uh, folky almost. And so these songs, these songs, you'll you'll listen to Light Night and Wall and go, oh, that now it all makes sense because it's kind of yeah. Rigid. I'm pretty sure we were listening to something a little while ago while we were all surfing. Someone had it on the car, and then it flipped to like another song. I think off Milo goes to college and everyone was like, what the fuck? And we're like, no, it's the same band. <laughs> they were yeah, younger. Man. We're like, no, they're it's the same. Different. And they were like, they're like in their early twenties going, what? I'm like, yeah, no, no, they could be diversified. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. but it's good we, for new, new fans too, to go back and be like, oh, okay, this is, this is their evolution. This is what they've been, you know, exploring. Yeah. yeah. And we've, we've, we've almost to a fault. We've, we've, we've dabbled in different, radically different styles. Cause then after Milo goes to college, you know, when we started doing, we did a record, uh, the all records got all these, this kind of like experimental kind of like jazzy stuff on there. So we, we've kind of gone, gone all over the place in terms of styles too. So I, I think this kind of fits in, this is kind of the, the last remaining style that we hadn't already touched. I love it. The, also hopefully, yeah. We've got elements it. of all genres in there. Is there anything that you're listening to at the moment that you want to share? I'm, I'm like, what can I listen to these days? Um, let's see. I mean, I, uh, I, I got on like a, 
I got him like a Debo kick recently. <laughs> no, I'm, stuck. I'm just laughing because like I listen to, I'm going through a real Depeche Mode phase again. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love them. Yeah, I love them, but I'm like, you know, yeah. and then I always listen to Tool and A Perfect Circle because I love everything that they do. But I was like, yeah. come on, Jen. I, I do have an eclectic and diverse music taste, but I'm just like, there's got to be some other well, music out there. Sometimes you just got to go back to, to what's in your DNA, you know, yes. kind of what. Oh, I'm yeah. going to talk about music and DNA. That would be an amazing discussion about like yeah. pre. Yeah. You know. No, I mean for like for me, D- Devo is kind of my in my DNA because it's Devo is kind of what got me into. Uh, it was my gateway to punk rock. I, I was yeah. I was all I was a really into like new wave and uh, B52s and cars and Devo, and then I was and then the w- once I heard Devo, it got it got me wanting to hear something even kind of more aggressive and loud and angry, and that's kind of where I then diverted into punk rock. Yeah. And so anytime I can talk about the DNA, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I would. I was about maybe I was about to ask about music and DNA because isn't there studies about when a woman's pregnant and you're in utero, if you're listening to the music, doesn't that impact? Like, doesn't that Im- impact? The yeah, 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 definitely. And, you know, that's probably, that probably, uh, that probably works through epigenetics. I would assume that, like yeah. that the child, child picks up on, on child picks up on certain music and then it, it can get, it can get coded or it can get kind of like uh, put into a more permanent state in the, in the, in the fetus through uh through epigenetic kind of thing so yeah it makes sense yeah so so that's a good one so music is just another kind of environmental input that can be epigenetically imprinted on yeah that's cool yeah thank you i just wanted to thank you so very much for coming on and talking about such an array of topics really but i hope that helps someone and maybe they can do a little bit more discovery on trees <laughs> it's cool because i you know i don't i don't because i don't have my science gig anymore i like to kind of geek out on science yeah. now and again so yeah we can keep good. geeking out after this <laughs> but thank you so much for your time it's much appreciated all right good to see you